welcome to Fierce Fun Feminine and Other F-Words. I'm Christine Elizabeth, and I help women unstuck themselves. Today's episode is the fourth in a series bringing awareness around domestic abuse, domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, and women who have escaped those situations and have landed safely on the other side. Today, I'm going to be sharing some specific details around what an abuser looks like, because you may be in an abusive relationship and not even realize it. And if you are in a relationship that is abusive and you know it, I'm going to be sharing things that you can do step-by-step to get yourself safely out. This also is helpful for people who may have a friend in an abusive relationship. You can't tell her to leave. It has to be on her own accord. But these are some things that you're going to want to pay attention to. Let's get started. If this is your first episode with me, I would like to encourage you to go back and listen to the previous three episodes in this series if you're a woman in an abusive relationship or you're not sure, because we had guests on here that have shared their story of how they got away. I spoke about what it was like growing up in an abusive home. My father was an abuser, and I'm going to make this a very quick and to the point episode about how you get out steps you can take, but it's so important to hear stories from women who have done it. I do have some personal experience with getting out of a marriage. I, well, moving out, let's put it that way. It is terrifying, ladies. I want to tell you that was one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life, one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. And I'll tell you a little bit about my story. My husband and I were broken humans when we got married, like most of us are when we're young and in our 20s. We haven't done the work on all of our traumas and wounds, and we come together and have no idea what we're doing, and we just kind of fumble through life, and we have kids, and all of these expectations and pressures lay on us, and the fights turn into things that look abusive in some way. That is not necessarily an abusive relationship. That's a relationship where people have misplaced anger, misplaced emotions, or misplaced judgment and trust issues. That's different than someone who is a chronic abuser that doesn't care if they're hurting you. I did take the steps to move out thinking I was potentially married to an abuser, learning and counseling that we're just broken as hell, right? We just had problems. We had issues and both of us were operating out of the wounds instead of being healed and operating from our scars. That's completely different. And that could be where you are now. You won't know until you step away and get in a place of safety and healing. I did that. And some of the things I'm going to talk about today, you can do as well. If you need to hit pause on a toxic marriage, but escape an abusive marriage, these are all things that you want to be looking for. But first, I want to lay out some things you might want to look for if you're in a relationship or a marriage that you think, am I being abused? And that is a really strange question to ask people because if you go to your family and friends and they like your spouse and they're very gregarious and outgoing and a lot of narcissists have this trait, they can woo you to a T. They know exactly what to say. They know how to charm a room. They they have all the words and they know how to speak to an emotion to make you feel amazing. A lot of women in narcissistic abusive relationships have a difficult time convincing other people that they are being abused. 
That could be you. And I fully understand what that can feel like. So first I'm going to go through some warning signs. Let's, let's read these off and then you kind of think about your situation and see how they line up. Ready for that? This information is coming from a website called the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence.org. So you can go back and reference it if you need to. I am not an expert on domestic violence. I'm someone who wants to help women understand, heal, escape, get unstuck. And I've been a victim of domestic violence as a child. I was in a very toxic relationship that looked emotionally abusive. Um, it, all of this is a part of me where my heart beats for women because I didn't have a place to go. I used the internet as a resource, but I wasn't being hit and struck and my children weren't being hurt. I can't imagine what that's like. And I just want to help women. And that's why I'm here. So I am not speaking from expertise. I'm speaking from a heart of service. That's why I'm referencing websites. Just wanted to get that out of the way. I'm not going to claim expertise. That's not my thing. (laughs) I'm just here to help. So let's go back to the website. National Coalition Against DomesticViolence.org is where you want to go for some of this information. One, I want to make sure you understand abusers can come from any walk of life. They can be anyone. It doesn't matter how much money they make. It doesn't matter what culture they're from. It doesn't matter what religion they're in. Abusers can literally be anyone. Someone that you're supposed to trust. They're an abuser. So let's just lay that aside. Don't believe just because they're educated or they have letters behind their name that maybe you're the one and you're questioning yourself. Put that aside. So what traits do abusers have in common? They all have certain things in common. One, they minimize the seriousness of what you're saying is hurting you. They minimize it. They often deny that it even is real. They'll say, oh, it's all in your head. You're delusional. That's a big red flag, okay? Um, They objectify their victims and see them as their property or sexual objects, If you don't feel treasured and loved, but you feel owned, controlled in that area, you feel exploited sexually, definitely a sign. One thing abusers all have in common is they have low self-esteem and the world won't know it, but you'll see it. That's something they have in common. They feel powerless and ineffective in the world, so they control it in other places by hurting people. They externalize the causes of their behavior. In other words, they blame their violence on circumstances like stress, like your behavior. They had a bad day. Oh, the drugs or alcohol made me do it. Nope, nope, nope. They don't get to blame anything. Adults have the cognitive ability to make a decision and choose right from wrong. They may be pleasant and charming to between like periods of violence. That was my dad. My father was a violent alcoholic when he was drinking hard alcohol. And then he was the life of the party, happy-go-lucky, helping the entire neighborhood when he wasn't drinking. He was in between really nice to my mom. And then if he went out drinking, came home, all hell broke loose. Can you relate to that at all? Okay, so what are some warning signs? Let's just say this is your situation. Your partner is extremely jealous, possessive. They have a horrible temper. They're mean to animals. My father loved his dogs, but when he was drinking, he abused my mother's little dog. It happens. Verbal abuse, 
name-calling, yelling at you, shaming you, putting you down. They have very controlling behavior. We've covered this in previous episodes. They control your gas mileage. They control how much money you have. They control your time away. They control everything. They have old beliefs about rules for men and women and relationships. That can come out of a church background, but if it gets to the point where you feel you don't have freedom to express who you are and how you want to express how you are, you have a choice. You have a decision to make. You're either in the wrong faith for you or with the wrong man. Okay, that's something that's a sign. If they force sex on you, if they have any disregard for you saying, no, I'm not in the mood, no, I don't want to. They blame you for anything bad that happens. It's always your fault. Do they abuse anyone else in the home? Do they accuse you of flirting with other people or having an affair all the time? One stint of jealousy from an old boyfriend? Probably not abuse. But if it's a chronic jealousy thing, that can be a problem. Do they try to control what you wear and how you act? Do they demean you either privately or publicly? Have you found that they put you down a lot? Do they embarrass you in front of other people? Do they harass you or other people? Do they mistreat people in society? Mistreating their servers at a restaurant. Mistreating people on the road with road rage. Again, it would have to be a chronic all the time thing. One time of an outburst could just be a bad day. Frequent patterns of outbursts are signs you're with an abuser. And that is the key you will find if you get yourself in counseling. It is to look for patterns. So if you have one stint of jealousy, one stint of, hey, um, don't spend your money this way because we're short this month, or one stint of whatever, maybe two in a six-month period, you might just be going through a hard time. This is a pattern that builds up over time. If you can start writing it down and seeing it with your own eyes and seeing, yep, or if you don't even have to write it down, you've lived it enough and you know, oh my gosh, yes. Now this is for people that are in emotional abusive situations. If you're being struck and hit and you're getting bruises and hurt and even shoved, that's different. You are definitely with an abuser. It is never okay. Okay. In the state of Washington, if you call the police because that's where I live, because you are being threatened physically, you've been shoved or hit, that person that did the shoving and hitting gets thrown in jail overnight. You can't even get them out. There's no exception to the rule at all. None. It came out of uh, some type of court case years ago. I can't remember the name of it, but a woman was actually killed because the police left. They thought they they had defused the situation. They left the abuser in the home with the woman. He ended up murdering her. Now in Washington state, and I'm sure other states, there is a no questions asked. If this man put his hands on you, he goes to jail. Now, if you have a physical abuser, you may be terrified of that because you're afraid for your life when he gets out. Those are the kinds of things that now I'm going to talk about. We've talked about the signs of, is am I in an abusive relationship? And if you are not, and you're going, duh, these things all make sense. I want to share something with you. They don't make sense when you're in it. A lot of times women in abusive relationships are sheltered from other people to be able to even ask questions or share. They question themselves. Their self-worth is so in the dumps. They have no idea they're being abused. They think it's their fault. 
This happens to very educated women. This doesn't just happen to a girl who grew up on the streets and married a family with a history of this type of behavior. This happens all across the board to all kinds of women. Abusers have the ability to take someone who loves them, who's vulnerable, who will give out of compassion, generosity, and love. They want to make their marriage beautiful. They will take that vulnerability and crush the woman. She will feel like it's all her fault. And she'll start to question whether it's abuse or not. And she'll take blame and think, no, I shouldn't have said that. I just made him mad. So if you're not in a relationship and you're listening to this, you're not in a relationship that's abusive and you're going, what? (laughs) That's what this is. That's why I'm sharing signs of an abuser. Because when you're in it, you question yourself. I was literally Googling several years ago, am I an abusive relationship? What does it look like? So I'm speaking from a place of experience and knowing here. Okay, now I want to go into how do you get out? I did move out and hit pause. I was not being physically abused. I was not being struck. My children were not being physically abused. Animals, none of that. I just knew I had to get away. I did some of this and it was very scary and I wasn't afraid for my life. So this is going to speak to you if you were in a similar relationship as me. And it's also going to speak to you if you're being physically abused and you that are being physically abused have to be extra careful. So first things first, okay, are you ready for this one? You need to find a secure means of seeking help. Phone records, call logs, computer browsers, all of that can be tracked. If you are in an abusive relationship and they want to look at your computer history They can do it. You can go to the public library. If you don't have a library card, they'll give you one and you can have access to their computers to do some searching. If you need to find a battered women's shelter, for example, or if you want to start doing some research on your own and say, I I don't know, is this narcissism or whatever, because you're afraid your abuser is going to track you, go to the library. It's a great resource. You also might want to get a prepaid cellular phone that you can buy them in Walmart, Target, all these places. It's prepaid and they come in handy when you need to find help later. Because if you're on a phone plan with this abuser and they see your phone calls going out, you put yourself at risk of being hurt. You could also use a friend or a neighbor's phone or computer if they're trustworthy, if they believe your story. Okay, not somebody that's just going, okay, sure. Next step is contact an organization organization that can help you. There is a national National domestic violence hotline you can call. There are battered women shelters you can call everywhere. Get on a safe device that you can't be tracked on and make contact. That's the first thing. Find a battered woman's shelter, especially if you're being physically abused. If you're the woman who is in this situation, be aware that the physical location of these shelters sometimes is kept secret to protect the women that are in it. So when you contact the shelter, they're going to go through a series of questions and screening before you get a chance to get there. That's normal. I want you to know you have to expect that. That's for protection because women live there with their kids to hide from their abusers. Once you're in the shelter, They will help you. It's not just a safe place to live. It's a safe place with 
people who have experience helping women in these situations. Okay, so the other thing you need to do is figure out a way to save some emergency money or get some emergency credit. If your abuser keeps money tightly controlled or withholds money from you or doesn't allow you to spend your own money, this can be hard. Keep any spare change you can find. If you use a debit card at the grocery store or at Target, maybe pull an extra $10 out every time you go. You know, you can get cash back and pocket it. Now that's assuming they're not looking at the receipts, okay? But you can do that. You can also use your credit card or debit card, I'm sorry, either one, when you go to one of these places and buy some of the gift cards that are out there for gas. Um, you know, you there's a kiosk of different gift cards in grocery stores, in Target, all of those places. When you go to pay for things, grab some of those Don't make it exuberant because that will cause a red flag. Keep it in small increments and do it over time. This is part of your escape plan. You have to be strategic. You need a getaway bag. Oh my gosh, this is such a scary thing to talk about. I know it. When I was planning on moving out, I did tell my spouse. I was strategic in how I did it, not out of fear of what would happen to me physically. It was out of fear of the pain I was causing because my self-worth was in the dumps. And I felt very guilty for moving out, but I knew I needed to. So I planned my move a little in advance. You have to have a getaway bag if you're being physically beaten. You should have an emergency bag with your necessities and hide it pretty well. Just make it look like it's a duffel bag shoved somewhere and keep it in a closet, but pack light. And because you might not get to your place, you have no idea, you need a change of clothes for you and your kids, copies of all of your important documents, grab those first. This is something you need to think about. Passports, bank or credit card information, pay stubs, birth certificates, social security cards, all of that stuff needs to be photocopied and inside your getaway bag. You also need to make sure you have medications or at least the prescriptions for your you or your kids in there, non-perishable snacks, um, personal items like your jewelry that you really care about and pictures that you really care about. Start making a bag that you can get away with. There is a chance you'll get back in your house and get your other things, but the things that you really, really, really want, if you do move into a shelter or into a friend's home, things that maybe it's a special toy that will help your child, something that you know will be, we're going to live somewhere else that's going to help them feel a little bit more secure. Because change for them, even though it will be for the better, it will be scary. And so you want to have that extra layer of security blanket, so to speak. It could be a security stuffed animal. It could just be something they really love, but maybe they don't sleep with it every day. Something else you want to think about is hide an extra copy of a car key. Get an extra key copy made of anything where you have keys, cars, mailboxes, uh, bank keys, anything where there's a key to get in. Get yourself some copies ahead of time before you move out. You also want to start documenting, if you can, evidence of abuse. Don't provoke it to document it, but if you have any evidence you can gather that will help you if you have to take legal action in your future, because if you have children, especially custody battles will be 
part of that if they're under 18 years old. You need to take pictures of injuries, uh, pictures of destroyed objects, a room that was trashed during a violent episode, keep bloody towels or clothing, uh, collect all the documentation. If you've ever been to the hospital for physical abuse, wherever you're injured in an episode of violence, you should seek medical treatment in the emergency room because there's a documentation of records. So don't hide it. Go get help. Just keep a documentation of it. That could be the key of you being awarded a protection order, custody of your kids, or any of that if the divorce is contested. So you need to start being smart about that. Be strategic. This is for your life and your future because I want you to live a life you love in peace and beauty. And right now, if you're in this situation, that's not where you are. So we're going to get smart and we're going to get tough. Here's another one you have to think about. Do you have pets? You need to make a plan for the pets. Do your kids have guinea pigs? Do you have a cat? Do you have a dog? What are you leaving behind? Are they going to be safe if you leave them behind? Or do you need to make a plan for your pets? You have to think of that ahead of time. And finally, this is not an inclusive list, but this is one of the biggest things. When you do escape, when you leave, you need to have a plan of where you're going. You need to have a safe window of time when you know you can leave your abuser where they can't follow you. You have a safe time to get out. You're, you've done all the things. You have your pets taken care of or whatever. You have a plan. You have keys. You have copies of all your documents. You have your jewelry. All of this stuff is packed and ready. Then you need to find a safe window of time. You do not have to even leave a note. You can just leave. If you don't have access to your own transportation, you have to have someone come pick you up. And if you feel, if this is a physically abusive relationship where you're just so scared, the police will come pick you up and they'll remove you from your home and take you somewhere. But you need to have a plan of where you're going. You also need to get there quickly. Hopefully there's not a tracker on your car. That's why having someone else pick you up is not a bad idea. Now this is for seriously abusive marriages. If it's narcissistic abuse, there's still a chance that you're being tracked. If it's verbal and emotional, that your car is being tracked, there's a bigger chance that your cell phone is being tracked. Honestly, you want to maybe consider leaving your cell phone behind and using your prepaid cell phone or finding a way to make sure you absolutely cannot be tracked through your cell phone. That's something you want to pay attention to. And this is for the women, again, that are definitely in a violent relationship. You can consider creating a false trail after you left, like use your cell phone to place calls to a hotel at least six hours away from where you're really going, right? You can do that. You could use a shared credit card or bank account to prepay for a hotel room and have an email confirmation sent to a shared or monitored email account. You could book a rental car in the same place or something like that to get them off trail. You really want to be strategic. I know this sounds deceptive, but when your life is in jeopardy, your children's safety is in jeopardy, those things are things that are recommended by many places to help you get away. And it even gives me the EBGBs to have to share this knowing that someone listening to this podcast is going through this right now. 
So if you haven't taken the steps, I hope these steps are succinct and helpful. Get directly to the safe place and wherever it is, get there. I'm hoping that it's a shelter that specializes in these abusive situations, an organization where they have employees and volunteers who are trained to help you with, okay, what do I do now? A lot of these shelters, and you will hear the story if you listen a couple episodes ago, they're set up like apartment buildings. They're incognito places where you and your children can just breathe. Your kids will make friends, you will make friends, and you will also be surprised and feel better about who you meet in there because a lot of them are women in the corporate world. They're women who own their own businesses. They're women who grew up just like you. You will find common ground and you won't feel like you're with drug addicts or substance abusers. That is not the same as a battered women's shelter. Once you get to a safe place, you've done the hardest part. You've truly done the hardest part. If you need to listen to this episode again to write these steps down, I'm going to encourage you to do that. I hope this episode has been helpful. That's all I want is to get you out and into a safe place. Go back and listen to it again if you have to write down the steps. I'm going to be thinking of you, sending you prayers and good juju. You can do this. Be strategic. Thank you for listening. This series has been a mix of hope and brushing my heart a little bit because I know there are still women that are living in pain, but there's so much hope. So I hope, (laughs) I'm using that word a lot because it's true, I hope that you will take this to heart if you are a woman in an abuse situation. If this was helpful, I would encourage you to hit subscribe so that you get notified of when new episodes come up and also share these episodes with anyone who you think they can help because all we can do is put the information out there. We can't force anybody and twist their arm to leave toxic marriages and relationships. All we can do is be their friend, be there for them when they need us so that they can make the best decision for their life. So feel free to share this information. Until next time, have a fierce, fun, feminine, and fabulous day.